Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Together, a Brighton and Ovalian podcast. I am back after a week out and uh, yeah, the international break was alright. Um, it's gone, thank goodness. I'm not a fan of them. I like to be able to watch us. I'm not that bothered about England at the minute. And whenever we do team to play, we tend to play on an international... The international break comes at a horrible time because England will play on the Monday and the Friday and I'm at work. So that's a waste of my time. Um, but yeah, it looks like we did well. And uh, the reason I'm really talking about England at all is simply because Lewis Dunk got called up. Um, we'll be looking at that a little bit later, but I think it's a great... It's a hell of an achievement, and uh, he should be super proud of himself, which I'm sure he is. Um, yeah, and I'm coming to you on the back of a the first away victory in almost exactly a year. Um, we beat Newcastle away 1-0 this weekend. Um, they really <laughs> Newcastle had a ton of chances to get something from us, but they they didn't they failed to do so. Um, so you know we'll take that win and we'll run with it. Um, we're on eleven points from nine games. We're ahead of the points per game schedule, um, and we welcome Wolves next game um, at home, which is definitely winnable given that you know Watford just turned them over at their place. Um, they seem to be one of those mid-table teams that don't know what they're doing each and every week. Um, similar, similar to Watford, Bournemouth, Wolves, Everton, um, Leicester. They all seem to be part of that kind of cohort that could put three past you one week and then have three put past them the following. So I think coming down to us, we'll, we'll be in a really good spot. Um, but let's get on to the Newcastle analysis. Um, and we'll start with the good, obviously. Um, so let's start with the good. Uh, first away win in a year, obviously. Um, it was gritty, ugly, um, and at times it was outright dangerous. Um, some of the some of the things we did during that game scared me half to death. The the inability to clear the ball more than twenty yards was scary, but uh, we got the win, and that's all that matters. Um, our top performers. So I have a couple, um, and I've been struggling on who to dis- like deciding on who to give a man of the match to. Um, but a close runner-up is definitely Lewis Dunk. Um, he rolled out with 15 clearances. That is not a typo. 15 clearances. Uh, two successful tackles, two interceptions, three block shots, um, and honestly just a fantastic performance from him. Um, the, the England opportunity is only going to help him grow as a person, both mentally and as a player. Um, and I think that we'll reap, we will reap those rewards over the following couple of months as as, uh, as he sort of gets that confidence boost within himself, knowing he, he it was right of him to stay where he is. Um, I think he was absolutely outstanding today. He was on the end of every block, on the end of every stoppage. Um, how many times did we hear Dunk or Duffy cleared the ball? It was, it was incredible. Um, and... Likewise, and this was the toughest part, I could not pick a man of the match, but another very close runner-up is Shane Duffy. Um, one tackle, one interception, 19 clearances. So, I mean, they almost had 40-odd clearances between them, um, which is just tremendous. Uh, two blocks and one key header um, that led to the goal. At the corner came in, and Duffy was the one on the end of the initial header, um, so, you know, I would slightly raise, rate him above Lewis Dunk for that reason. Um, but I think for me, my man of the match has to be Matty Ryan. 
Um, he made several outstanding saves. Um, I, pff, that save from the free kick was insane. Um, he made a couple of just outrageous stops. Um, he had no right to make some of them. They, they really were incredible. Um, it's been a while since we've uh, we've had like we've seen or needed Matty um, in terms of a game like this. It was a welcome return basically for him to win games for us because frankly he did um and that's the reason why i'm not giving it to dunk or duffy uh i think he single-handedly won us the game today obviously the goal's important and all of that but like we would have been three or four one down if it wasn't for him and the absolute heroics he put us through um I mean, just it's just his his awareness, right? Like he put. I don't know if you remember, but towards the end of the end of the second half, um, the ball was coming through, and he had the awareness to pour it away. Um, instead of going out for a corner, it went out for a throw, or just went out wide. Um, but just that kind of that awareness to keep the ball in play and not lob it out for a corner. To me, he's. He's one of the best goalkeepers in the league, barring some of the top six keepers. Um, I can't think of a keeper in the bottom ten that's as good as he is, um, and it certainly ain't Dubravka. We'll get onto that in a bit. <laughs> um, but he was just incredible. His composure, his communication um, to ensure he was able to get the ball was just mental. The amount of times that the kind of the sea parted and Matty Ryan jumped up to collect the ball untouched because he was so calm and confident in his communication with his back four was just a testament to a how good this back four is and b how good he is right um yeah so for that Matty Ryan wins my wins my man of the match um and if you add him in fantasy football which I did he uh racked up some bonus points too so that was nice um but no, seriously, he was just incredible from word go today. Um, his distribution was top-notch. Everything was great. Um, let's go on to the bad. Because we need to do the bad too. Um, to me, uh, the only thing I'm going to point out in terms of a performance issue, um, because other than that, there's nothing really bad to talk about. Um, but I do want to point out just how poor Gaetan Bong was today. Um, he was dispossessed five times. That's more than anybody else by a million miles. Um, nobody else was dispossessed more than once, and he was dispossessed five times. Um, to be honest, without being too harsh on him, because I think Gaetan Bong does an incredible job when he's asked to do a certain kind of job. And that, that job is keeping out top players, kind of keeping a top player out of the game. It's a one-on-one man-mark job, and Gaetan Bong has shown himself to be incredible at it. He's able to keep Salah out of the game. He's able to keep uh, a Man City player of choice out of the game. He is incredible at doing a, a job on a singular player that's an out, that's just a superstar. Um, but in a game like today, where it's really about the team and about that cohesiveness, he really struggles because... A, he couldn't keep the ball at the back. And, you know, giving away the ball that many times as a left back is just not acceptable, right? But you accept that if there is um, a strength going forward. And he's terrible going forward. <laughs> he's I love him, but he's awful. His crosses are very rarely good enough to do anything for Glenn Murray, right? Let alone a less aerially strong front line without him today. You know, if the balls coming in weren't going to help Lockardia. Um when Murray wouldn't be able to do anything with them. Um, 
he played us into trouble a lot. And honestly, like, he's prone to do that on in lesser fixtures, which is crazy, really. But it's true. Um, and I, I would honestly like to see Bernardo start there against Wolves. Um, I just think it needs to happen sooner or later. He's he's our weak link, even though I like him. And I would absolutely advocate for him to come in against the top six and do a job on a certain individual if we need that to happen. But in the games where we expect to be competitive, I think the time has come for Bong to move aside and allow somebody else to walk into the team, Bernardo, um, and do that for us because we're, we're, we're suffering. So the rest of the bad um, isn't based on game performances. Um, it's something all different altogether. Let's talk about Glenn Murray. Um, he was knocked clean out. It looked brutal. Um, it didn't... On first watch, as it happened live, I didn't realise how bad it was um, until I saw the players react. But on second watch and the replay, it was horrific. Um, he was out before he even hit the floor. Um, it was a questionable attempt to win the ball anyway. The guy headbutted him, head him right in the back of the head. Um... And I, I don't want to ever say anybody would intentionally do something like that because, frankly, like, it's it's borderline life-threatening when you knock someone out like that through the back of the head. Um, and thankfully, you know, he's he's had scans and he's been cleared and he's travelled home with them on the bus after the game. But, you know, like, it was scary. Um, and... I, I mean, I've just got to say how disappointed I was in the medical staff. When the, not the Brighton medical staff, but the, the crew with the stretcher um, that were coming out to grab him. Um, at this point, he was in the recovery position and our players were beckoning desperately for someone to come and grab him. Um, they, were, they were doing their best to get their job done. And it was so bad that Kayao actually had to take the stretcher off of them and run the stretcher to him himself. I mean, we do nothing but praise the medical staff in this country, in the in the football league, when they do a good job. Um, the Brighton Stadium staff, for example, um, saved five, I think it was, lives last year and won an award for like excellence in their in their field. And stuff like that is just incredible to acknowledge you know what i mean like that's what kind of makes it all worth it for these people who do such a selfless job for so many people um but then when you see people on the opposite end of the spectrum i think it's only fair to call them out you know like this is a dude that could have been in a very life-threatening position um just like muamba was and just like a couple of other players that have gone down on the field have been and they were just chilling out there um it was scary and it was dangerous and I hope they get a talking to because, you know, God forbid, if worst had happened, like, they would have, you know, I'm sure if they would have said there was a couple of seconds in it, it would have been a shit show. Um, I mean, he will be okay. We know that now. We've seen it on the Snapchats and Insta and Twitter and stuff. Like, he will be okay. Um, but, I mean, we won't be seeing him for Wolves at the very least. Um, you know concussions and the protocols with it he may be he may be out for a further week after that for his own safety i'm not sure um it depends really i suppose um i know the premier league policy i believe is a minimum of six days without playing football um so i mean he's definitely not going to be back for wolves 
but it's just a case of what happens after that and how he recovers and how much of a major concussion he got um you know i hope that he's okay and i hope he's back sooner than later but you know as long as he's taking care of himself then it is what it is and bruno went out again late on with a back injury um i believe it was a back injury that sidelined him earlier in the season too and that's a worry um for us hopefully he's okay um and i don't know why montoya wasn't in the squad today um let's hope he's fit because if he isn't if bruno's hurt and montoya isn't fit or in trouble um but if montoya's fit then obviously we have a straight replacement and montoya is fantastic so i think i think the bad needs to just acknowledge how unlucky we've been in injuries this year um compared to last year when you know like eight out of our 11 players didn't lose a single game you know what i mean that they didn't they didn't lose game time last year whereas this year we're nine games in and we have lost for at least a, a period of time bruno montoya has been out of the squad dunk has been hurt bong has been hurt stevens has been hurt proper is now out for a couple of weeks um Izquierdo was hurt and couldn't start the season gross is hurt and you know he's only just trying to claw his way back now and now murray's out <laughs> and you know we don't know when he'll be back um you know compared to last season it's a proper night and day difference and we can only hope bruno isn't too serious um because if montoya is indeed injured we have not heard anything about him so we'll just have to wait and see and hopefully we'll see him slot straight in if bruno's hurt um but yeah we've been horribly unlucky these first nine games to have lost the amount of people we've lost and hopefully by christmas time everybody can be back and fit and we can go on a bit more of a luckier streak but yeah thank god for injury depth right um so let's just go to the final word kind of on on the newcastle game um i look at a couple more stats and i think it really there's a good tale to tell um in terms of some of the stats here um 14 of their 27 shots are outside of the box um so we clearly did an amazing job of frustrating them and they did an amazing job of playing in front of us <laughs> um they didn't do anything special at all they continued to pump balls into the box from open play which is our strongest way of defending um it has been historically since the minute we walked into the premier league uh defending crosses from open play is our strength and they just kept doing it um we were dispossessed 27 times and newcastle were dispossessed 24 times um the sheer inability to keep the ball in at home and like in key areas um and that number being so similar to ours really you know helps us a lot when they're unable to keep that ball in an attacking spot and we can keep nicking it back um that's really useful so you know thank you newcastle for that um every single player's heat map for newcastle at home with a 60 plus percent possession rating was outside of the box by quite some distance that includes perez hosselu when he came on who looks awful by the way uh muto um all of them they all of them were outside of the box they spent very little time inside it um and i think that leads like you know that lends itself to the win um Debravka, my god what can you say about him um honestly like he was unable to lead any kind of attack from the back um numerous times in fact newcastle were lucky not to concede due to poor defensive errors from him and other members of the back four um uh aj could have scored 
from that moment where he slipped in from behind. Um, Izzy could have scored when he took that ball off of... Uh, Oh, I can't remember who it was. He took it off one of the wayward passes uh, and Lockardia played him in and, you know, they were able to block the ball, which was good for them, but it was close. And then Pesuma absolutely should have scored um, towards the end of the game. I think there was maybe two minutes left of added time and Pesuma broke through one-on-one, played a beautiful ball past the man and he was one-on-one and missed it. Uh, you know, he we could have won by more than that. Um, but you know, I don't. I think two 0 would have flattered us somewhat because we really hung on for an awful long time. Um, so I'll take that. And we also ensured Muto was very quiet and very poor. Um, he was their shining light against United. Um, when we spoke about it last week, it was pretty clear that he was their main change in terms of class last week against United. He really set the world on fire for one week and one week only because we kept him quiet and we found a way to silence him and again like you've got to give credit where it's due it's excellent work by Hutton by keep it for keeping him quiet um so yeah first win away from home in a year 11 points from nine roll on wolves happy days um so that's the Newcastle analysis I hope you're all as happy with the performance as I was it wasn't pretty but we got the three points and happy days um so on to kind of the bridge segment and the middle segment before we talk about wolves um i think it's pretty obvious where i'm gonna go i hope um and let's just take some time to talk about lewis dunk um he was called up to the england squad this week um he didn't get a game during the week of international break but he got a call up and it's an incredible achievement um not only but for him but for the club um and i mean it's kind of a lot, I saw a lot of people on Twitter um, complaining about the fact that somebody like Connor Cody for Wolves wasn't getting called up. And I spoke to a couple of them and I tweeted a couple of them and I was like, Connor Cody is where Lewis Dunk was a year ago. He is only just starting to make Premier League appearances and he's not there yet. Lewis Dunk, <laughs> since we've been promoted to the Premier League in 2017, no English defender has eclipsed Dunk's 62 blocks or 81 interceptions. Um, the only English defender to have played more minutes in the league and made more tackles in the league is Harry Maguire, who quite comfortably is our best centre-half in the national team right now. Um, you know, Dunk is a hell of a player. Um, he, you know, we signed him when he was a 10-year-old boy. Um, Martin Hinchelwood, former academy director, grabbed him at 10 years old. Um, I believe it was from Wimbledon, old school Wimbledon, not new school Wimbledon. Um, when they folded, we grabbed him. Um, and, you know, like he, he grew up the classic kind of English football path. He went out, um, I think he was 18, 19, and went and played at non-league Bognor Regis. Um, and, you know, if there's ever a way to kind of get people to understand the level of the game instead of playing as an under 18 go out and play for a non-league team and get beat the crap out of every week um i'm sure it helped him an awful lot uh and then he went on a i think it was a very brief loan spell at like from looking at it he didn't make a huge amount of appearances at bristol city in 2013 um but since then he's been all brighton you know he's played 239 games 240 if we, uh, well, 240 now against Newcastle. Scored 14 goals um, for a centre-half. That's not too bad at all, is it? Um, and just, he's a real he's a real club's player. Um, 
if there was ever a player that you think could make a um a testimonial a 10-year achievement and get that kind of testimonial game um it doesn't happen very often anymore but i think lewis is one of those people that might do it um you know there's a there's a reason we're we're signing into a new five-year contract every summer for the last three or four years um we're giving him the pay rise he deserves we're kind of we're keeping him locked down so we can add an extra couple of zeros on 20 transfer fee and i think just for this kind of the the call up has just kind of confirmed what we've always probably been telling him and probably what he thinks you know like he he knew he was capable of being one of the best center halves in england um and when he chose to stay with us whether it was kind of by his choice or by design like when he did choose to stay with us he made the best of it and it's finally proven to him that the grass isn't greener um he's got the recognition he absolutely deserves at the club he grew up with what more can you ask for um and i think it just vindicates him staying with us um there is no england player from brighton since 1982 and donkey has got that call up and hopefully in the next international break he'll get called up again and maybe he'll even get a chance to play. Um, I hope so. But just the fact that he got called up was just amazing. Um, first time in my lifetime there was a Brighton player in an England squad which felt just so good. It was so cool. <laughs> um, and yeah, I I just can't say enough good things about him. Um, just reading up on the things he does. he Every year he gives a talk to the Brighton's Academy Scholars um, about the perils of in professional football and, you know, the path you could go down if you go down the wrong way. Um, and he, know, he should know, right? Like, you only need to go and look back at his history and the, the potential trouble he could have been in with the accusations um, and the potential trouble he could have been all the way through his young life. I'm sure that isn't the only one. I'm sure there is a lot of just stupid stuff that he got involved in as a young lad um and you know he's he's settled down he's got a family now he's he knows where he is he knows that it's worth it all along and rightly so we're paying him more every year so you know I, it's just unreal like he's just an absolute rock and i don't think that it would be very tough to replace him so I think we've done a great job with him. We've raised him in the right way. He came in under an unbelievable football manager in Gus Poyet. Um, he learnt through his way. He learnt through the mess that is Sammy Huppier. He then got under Hewton, and Hewton's just grown him into an absolute monstrous centre-half. And I can only see good things in his future. He's 26 now, I believe. Um, 25, 26. And the sky's the limit for him, I think. Um, I just, you know, I think he could go as far as he wanted to go if he keeps his head on his shoulders. Um, and, I, yeah, I just think it's an incredible achievement. So moving on to the Wolves preview, let's do it. Um, they have been achieving pretty much what everybody thought they would do given the amount of money that's been pumped into them and the amount of talent they have, um, the amount of Portuguese international beast talent players they have. Um, they've kind of been performing to expectations, right? They're like high mid-table. Um, but they got beat this week by Watford at their own place. Um, and Watford are another one of those teams that are in that pack 
um, that you just don't know what they're going to do. And we play them this week at home, um, and they've got a lot to do if they're going to come and take points away from us. Um, you know, I think our game plan needs to look much like it normally is at home. Um, we need to press them high, press them often. We've been doing this at home really well. Um, so I, I think we need to be incredibly diligent about it. And Wolves have a ton of talented players on the ball from deep. Um, their centre-halves are incredible ball players. Martinho, Neves, they're all incredible on the ball. It's not like Fulham where it's just Seri, who is a good footballer. Um, back there, it's f- like four or five of them. So we're going to have to really tr- like keep them out of that that kind of situation where they can dictate play. Um, seven of their nine goals have came from open play this year. So, you know, set pieces clearly isn't their thing, which is good because we're crap at defending them. Um, so we just need to ensure we give them those two banks of four to try and break through like Newcastle. They couldn't do it. Um, present for, presenting them space you know, will result in big trouble. Um, So let's just not do it. Um, I think another part of the game plan is obviously to present them with... uh, (coughs) to present them with multiple dangers. And what I mean by that is that looking back on the games they've won so far this season and looking through who they played and the heat maps and just the different kind of, like, higher-level stats that I've looked at, um, most of the games they've won... They've won due to multi, like one-dimensional challenges. Um, so they beat West Ham, and at the time, the only threat they faced was Arnautovic. Um, and there's a couple of other teams on there too, but that was the one I can remember off by heart. Um, but whoever, Burnley, um, they played Burnley, and at the time, Goodmanson was hurt. Um, Vokes wasn't ready. Barnes wasn't ready, I don't believe. And I think it was just Wood that was the only real threat to them and they won that too but whenever they played a team that has more than one that has like a dual problem you know they have they have a couple of different players that can cause serious problems just like this week they played against Delafeu, they played against Kapu, they played against Decore and they were all playing really well and they collapsed they couldn't deal with the multifaceted danger um and I think we need to present them with that they look vulnerable with the three at the back to overcommitting. They're very attacking. Like I appreciate it, but it's something we can definitely take advantage of. Um, we cannot afford to hang back and play a more defensive team against this side. We are more than capable of giving them serious problems. So I say we do. So obviously looking at what their game plan is going to be, um, I think it should be pretty clear, just like most games, they're going to look to get it to Ruben Neves and Moutinho and their back three. And they're going to aim to play it out, whether it's wide or central, they don't seem to care. Um, They're just going to look to play it out from the back and dictate the play from deep. Um, They are currently averaging 11 shots per game away from home. So, I mean, that's pretty clear to me that they're not changing the way they set up too much away from home, um, which is probably why they're getting beat by teams with a lot of of dangerous players and winning against the crapper ones, right? Um, And... We just need to be aware of that central attacking midfielder role, um, as it is definitely their weakness stat-wise. Hauda Costa, uh, Jota, Hota, however you pronounce his name, um, and a couple of the others in there that play that kind of central attacking midfield role as opposed to the Neves deep-lying player. Um, they're They're a lot poorer with the ball, and they give the ball away a lot more in the games that they lose. They are the the source in which we need to attack. Um, just like when we were talking about Fulham and we pointed out that 
the players we needed to cut out were Seri and Schurler, um, that attacking midfield role is going to be where we win the game. Um, so we need to really try and focus on them and break that bridge between the central midfield and the attacking midfield. Um, if we can do that and create a barrier there, it, we're going to win it or draw it at a minimum. They're not going to score goals. Um because that's that's how they that's how they win games and that's how they score goals is being able to give them that license to roam. Um, we've got experience with this because we've dealt with West Ham who had the same kind of attitude. Um, the difference is is West Ham had the kind of three behind Arnautovic and then Arnautovic, whereas this time it's more of a deep line two and then the and then the front line midfielders are the danger. Um, it doesn't particularly matter who their striker is. Um, it's more about who their midfielders are and stopping them. So that's going to be the challenge for us. It's going to be a little bit different to usual, and it probably goes back to the fact that it's a three at the back kind of thing. So, yeah, if we can do that, we'll get a win. Um, the poorer the game their attacking midfielders have, the more often they get beat. But rest, like, make no mistake, this is not going to be an easy game. This is going to be one of our most challenging home games of the season because they really are a very talented team. But we're, we're good enough to win. Simple as. Um, so what should our first 11 look like? Um, I think Matty Ryan obviously stays in goal. Um, uh, my head tells me there's no way Bruno is fit for this week. Um, just looking at the last time he was out, I think that he was out for a couple of weeks. And I think it wouldn't shock me if it was the same thing again. Um, so uh, assuming Montoya is okay and it was just tactical reasons he was left out, Montoya slots straight in at right back. Duncan Duffy back two, um, and Bernardo has to start at left back in this game for me. Um, <clears throat> we were comfortable enough for bringing him to bring him on against uh, Newcastle. <laughs> we were comfortable enough to bring him on against Newcastle and put him at right back again. So let's just start him at left back. Let's just do it, Chris. Just take a breath and give that boy his game at left back at home where he's comfortable. Um, Noki gets back on the right for me. I don't think AJ uh, did enough this week. Uh, I know we won, but I just think Jahan Baksh was average. I know that, and that pains me to say it with how much we spent on him and how much hype there is around him. But I think Knockart deserves to start. Um, Stevens and Kyle have to be in the middle of the park. Um, <clears throat> to me, there's no other alternative. I don't see how we can really not have those two as the central midfielders. After this week, because they bossed the entire game, um, Izquierdo has to play on the left. And for me, I would I would play uh, Jahan Baksh in the central midfield role. If we don't want to... If Hutton isn't keen on Bissouma playing in that number 10 role where Gross plays and Gross isn't ready, let's, let's put Jahan Baksh there and see how he does. Um, I think he has more about him than March in that role. So we'll see if he does it, but... I hope he does, um, unless Gross is ready to go, in which case, let's do it. Let's get Pascal back in that starting 11. Um, and then a striker who, I don't know who we're going to go for up top. Um, Murray is obviously out. There's no way Murray plays. So do we gamble on uh, another Lockerdia game when he is not scoring goals? Do we try and give him a chance to play a home game where we're not totally awful? And totally against the Kosh all game and give him a chance to do his thing or do we give uh, Florian Andone a, a chance to make his debut um, I, I kind of hoped he may take the role today when Murray went off 
but I'm not surprised he didn't. We were away from home, um, and Lockardia has had more time in this system, and it's a complete Chris Hutton move to put Lockardia on. I'm totally cool with it. I like Jurgen, you know I do. Anyone who's listened to this podcast knows I like him. Um, <clears throat> my voice is going. So yeah, he's got to start. One of the two, I just don't know which one. My heart says Andone, my head says Jurgen. So we will see. Um, but that's it for me. Um, it's good to be back. I'm sorry that last week was a blank. And uh, we'll be back next week to look at how we did against Wolverhampton Wanderers and look ahead to the game uh, game 11 of the season. Let's hope we have another three points to talk about. I mean, if we can take another three, we're on 14 points from... Yeah, we're, we're well on our way. 14 points at this stage of the season with who we've played would be incredible. So let's see if we can get it done. Um, follow me at TogetherBHA on Twitter. Um, at me if you want me to cover anything, talk about anything, anything you want. Um, and yeah, other than that, have a good week. Be safe and see you next week. <laughs>